listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. I'm Jen Justice. And today, I am very excited. We've been trying to get you to come on the Podcast West for so long. We have with us Kansas City City Councilman Wes Rogers. Wes, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for the invite. I've been excited about it. Oh, yeah. It's it's it's, uh, it's been a long time coming, but uh, I, I'm very glad, you know, we met a long time ago uh, when you weren't a city councilman. You, in fact, were a Missouri state representative. So that's a lead into this is not your first foray into public service. Um, well, you know what? Before we get there, because I'm going to ask you about your public service history, but uh, I should let everybody know that we finally have started getting some of our episodes posted out in our YouTube channel, Get Real KC YouTube. And uh, if you happen to be watching it on YouTube, uh, you will see some plexiglass. Uh, and that's because I am uh, coming off of a COVID bout. I am supposedly past my... Uh, He's five days plus no fever, friends. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, but, Rest and I are safe. But we decided, you know, just uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty risk averse. So in the abundance of caution, I put these up in case somebody's looking. There you go. YouTubers. Enough about me. Let's get back to you. It's much more important and more exciting. Uh, t- tell us about public service and uh, what you've been doing and... And, and, and why? Yes, yeah, so uh, that's kind of a, a broad question. So <laughs> grew up in Kansas City, uh, college and law school, came back. I was a public defender for a year in St. Joe. Then I was a prosecutor, assistant prosecutor in Clay County for five years, uh, the last two of which I was the deputy. So I was doing the trial calendar, all the, the serious crimes. I was trying those cases. And Wes then, is smart. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it was it, it was fun to, you know, you're making a difference there, too. So there's a lot of ways to do public service, and, and I enjoyed that experience. My wife got a job out of state. I thought we were gone. She took another job back here in, in Kansas City, and um, I just figured I would start a law practice, which I sort of did, but my heart <laughs> never really got into it. I, I ended up going into our family business where we sell and lease commercial dishwashers to places such as restaurants, hotels, casinos, uh, and that sort of thing. And, and so... I also kind of I'd always had the political bug, and in 2018 uh, the local state house seat came up, and I looked at the race and thought that that if I ran I'd have a good chance to win, and I thought I'd do a good job. So I talked to my wife, and we ran the race, and and for better or worse I won, and I ended up spending four years in in Jefferson City, and and uh, I'll for just... better Jefferson City is definitely better for having you in it. I can speak from a constituent's point as well as you know uh, the realtor's point and everyone else that you're one of the most practical politicians I think that is out there and uh, really strives for the greater good and that was a breath of fresh air to come to Jeff City and have someone like you to you know talk to and 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 logistic off of and you've brought up good points to me we don't always agree 100 percent, but we always have a good conversation and you have perspectives that you bring into like hey jen i would consider this and and the same can be said for my perspective to you we've really helped each yeah. other yeah so. well and that's that's how it's supposed to work right you're supposed to be willing to listen to other people you're supposed to be able to acknowledge hey you know i didn't really think about hang it on or- hang on let's not get reasonable now right, <laughs> right? you're a politician what, what are you doing right yeah, well, I, I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed that part of it at City Hall, too. And that's, you know, it's it's different at City Hall than it was in Jeff City. And, and the way I always describe Jeff City to people is, you know, I, I, have, I have a wife and three little kids involved in our family business. It was really hard to be gone all the time. Yeah. You know, and I'm a Democrat, so I was in the super minority party. So the, the easiest way to say it in Jeff City, my 
political ceiling was very low. My opportunity cost was really high. And you can serve eight years in the house. I made it four before I realized that that my time would just be better spent elsewhere. And I feel lucky for that opportunity and and meeting people like you down there. But it was enough for me and it was time to come home. I think that's good for the listeners to hear because I have a fair amount of people that ask me to run for different things. And my consideration is that you just mentioned your sacrifice, your sacrifice to your family, your sacrifice from your business, being gone, living in Jeff City, basically Monday through Friday, January to when's the end of session? In middle of May. Middle of May. And then any special sessions that you might have to be a part of and then anything in addition to that. So there's a, a huge sacrifice. There's not a big paycheck like people think in public service. Um, so I think that's important for our listeners to hear because not everybody understands that component. And for me personally, uh, that's a deal breaker to go to Jeff City right now and, and leave my family behind. So thank you for doing that because I know I'm not personally willing to do it. Well, you'd be great at some point. So if your situation Thanks. ever changes, I, I, I hope you I, consider thank it. Thank you. <laughs> well, and I have to tell you this, Wes, so, uh, and I think I've, I've expressed this to you before, and I may have even mentioned it on one of our podcasts, but, um, you know, uh, the, the first time I went down to Jeff City uh, as part of uh, the realtor group to kind of go down and, and discuss with uh, representatives um, and senators, whatever, uh, to, to kind of, you know, lobby, I guess would be for lack of a better term. Ended, Non-registered lobbyists. Yeah. I ended, I ended up, uh, I ended up in your office, uh, met you. You were absolutely fantastic. And, and I tell people to this day, it was an incredible experience to be able to kind of walk around the Capitol and then just like knock on a door and you were great and you're, and I'm going to get the title wrong, but whoever you're, you're. Oh, my legislative aide. There you go. Legislative aide. She was awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, just o- open door, willing to have quality discussions about, you know, the real issues. I, I, it was it was eye opening to me. Uh, it's got me more involved in politics. And I blame uh, Jen and a couple <laughs> of people in the realtor party for doing this because now I care. And uh, damn it, that's frustrating sometimes. Well, can, can, I, can I make a pitch there really quickly? Sure. Anybody who's listening. So there, there's. You, you know, you don't get that many visitors when you're down in Jeff City as a as a rep when you do as normally a lobbyist or somebody that's down there regularly. You can make a big difference as a citizen. If you take time on an issue you care about to come down to Jeff City and talk to your electeds, and they're much more accessible than people believe that they are. And if you take the time to drive down there, they will listen. They might not always agree, but they're going to listen to you, and you're going to get a going to get a chance to make your pitch. So I, I wish more people would take advantage of that. Yeah, it was it was mind-boggling to me how, uh, and you weren't the only one, how, you know, open doors, I'd like to hear your opinion. And, yeah, Greg uh, Razor, Tony Luchtemeyer, uh, Maggie, Lorne Arthur. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a list of others. Sean Poucher. Yeah, Chris um, Brown. Uh, yeah, Chris, yeah. Uh, uh, Several, several, Chris is several, my several. Chris is my representative now. Josh uh, Holbert. Holbert's great. Yeah. Brenda yeah. Shields is another Northlander. And, and I also say all the time, you know, there's lots of problems in Jeff City. There's lots of problems in government. The, the Northland delegation is really good. Um, all practical people, all easy to work with, may not always agree on things, but the dialogue is there. And if and if the rest of the state took a page out of the way the Northlanders in both parties handled their business, we would get a lot better results. Oh, and I'm proud to call all of them friends. That would be such, such a rush, fresh air. I just, you know. <laughs> all right, well, but we can maintain hope, friends. Let's talk about, I mean, you know, so I, I do. I appreciate your service. Cave. But yeah, let's Kansas get back City. to the back cave and let's talk about Kansas City. Now, I'm a lifelong Kansas City resident. I did leave for college and was away for a little while. but uh, Same, uh, basically, of the area of Kansas yeah. City, although mm-hmm. I'm a Smithville County girl yeah. now. I don't even live in the city of Smithville, so. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was born, I was born at what, uh, um, I, well, it's not called this anymore, it's not even this, but Baptist Hospital down off of Holmes. 
I uh, grew up in Kansas City proper. I live in Kansas City proper right now. That's where the studio is. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, vaguely aware of what's going on. And uh, we've had other, um, you know, uh, top officials from uh, uh, some of the surrounding cities. We've had, you know, mayors, mayors et cetera, on. Yeah. And uh, we um, typically give them an opportunity to uh, sort of tout the benefits of their particular city. They, yeah. But Kansas City is kind of a different beast because uh, it is the uh, anchor city. It is the large mm-hmm. city. So let's yeah. take a let's take a look at some numbers just to give everybody that perspective. Eric gave us a handy guide, everybody. Yep. That's right. I've got some cheat sheets out here. Uh, so uh, according to the Census Bureau, uh, the uh, metropolitan area in Kansas City is somewhere around 2.1, 2.2 million uh, people. I was about to say dollars, people. Uh, budget's a lot fatter than that, uh, Yeah, friends. that's right. Uh, but of that, Kansas City... Missouri, right? So Kansas City proper uh, has over 500,000 residents. So oh, essentially- Seems a, bigger than that, honestly, a, even now. A, a quarter of people in the metro area. And the metro area encompasses like, you know, eight counties or 11 counties, depending on who you're asking. And I, the number of cities is staggering. But um, the thing to be aware of is the next largest. So just so we understand that Kansas City has- uh, a lot of challenges, both population-wise, and we'll talk a little bit about geography as well, different than other cities in our area. The next largest is Overland Park with around 200,000, so two, 40%, mm-hmm. less than 40% the size of Kansas City. Kansas City is much, much larger. Kansas City, Kansas, 156, give or take, then Olathe, then Independence, and then Lee Summit. Uh, uh, those are the, the, those are the only five that have more than a hundred thousand. So when we start talking about Kansas city, part of the reason why we're going to approach this a little bit different is, is the population is, it just creates some different scenarios. Another aspect that creates different scenarios is the nature of housing. And here's what I mean by the nature of housing. Many of the other cities around in the Kansas city metropolitan area uh, have very, very small, you know, just a few blocks in many cases of lands and homes that have been around for any significant period of time. Whereas Kansas City being the core, all right, started back in the 1800s, we've got huge tracts of lands with homes that are 50 and 70 and 100 plus years old Right, and that creates a different housing issue than you're going to have in, uh, you know, brand new cities um, or, or brand new comparatively. Right, so you know, Lee Summit has uh, been around for a long time, but no, it doesn't have anywhere near that housing population, uh, that uh, percentage of houses that that are aging. Uh, yeah, that's evident in our our water system, isn't it, Wes? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, no doubt about it. Right, it, sidewalks, all that kind of all stuff. All kinds our, of infrastructure. Our infrastructure stuff. that is, you know, and obviously you know so much more about that than I do now that you've been on the elected side. It, I know we have an aging infrastructure issue and in our water system and our road system mm-hmm. and just every piece of that is so expensive to bring to where it needs to be. It's craziness. Yeah, for sure. And then the last sort of set of figures I bring out, and it's interesting because a lot of the housing data is only done county by county, not city by city. So all I have is Jackson County. Understand that Jackson County, 75% of Jackson County is Kansas City. 
Yep. Right. So it encompasses 75% of its housing, approximately 75% of its population, et cetera. But when I look at the Jackson County, Missouri numbers, uh, what we're looking at in terms of an average sale price uh, through the end, uh, through last year, 292000 uh, for an average single home sale price, uh, which is up, but it's actually somewhat low for the area, right? When we take the entire metropolitan area, and I don't have this figure in front of me, Jen, but we talked about it. It's uh, like 330. Yeah, 330 or so. Mm-hmm. So, the, right, understandably with sort of this older housing base, if you will, um, Smaller um, lot sizes in the inner city, that kind of thing. So Right. Smaller homes built yeah, in the 40s right. and 50s. We, I, we've been reading all of this very interesting stuff about what was considered, you know, the appropriate amount of size for a house household of, say, four, you know, two adults and two children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it were, were more than double what we think, you know, the minimum size is in today's world than they did post-World Because we had all War that II. crap. You yeah. can reference our podcast that tells us about how the million things that we have in it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Do you remember that number? Well, it's funny. I've heard numbers that are lower now. So let me just say anywhere from 50 to 200,000 items in, depending, in, our houses. In, in the unique in the unique homes. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you think about it, um, you know, it, it it's not unfathomable that we have that many items in our home. It's not. But we talk about how to sell a home, you basically have to get rid of all that crap because it's got to look not lived in. Well, my, my wife and I were just talking about we've got three little kids and- so many toys. We were just having that conversation the other day. About no more squishmallows. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So so I painted that picture on purpose because uh, we're going to be talking about um, uh, what Kansas City is doing uh, to improve its housing infrastructure and what it's doing to support the housing concerns that, uh, say, Kansas City has that maybe some of the other surrounding cities don't have in terms of their population, in terms of the uh, economics of the population, et cetera. Yeah. And so uh, and, and some of these things, I mean, they're just they're just cool. Um, so there are, and I just picked four to kind of talk about. Um and so they are, and I'll just kind of pop them off. And then if you have one in particular that you want to talk to, right, there's the Central uh, City Economic Development. Um, there is the Housing Trust Fund, the Land Bank of Kansas City, and the Kansas City, Missouri Homestead Authority, uh, all of which are four major initiatives in Kansas City to, uh, in one way or another, improve housing in Kansas City. So got one you like, or you want me to just pick one? Uh, just oh, I've got a couple of comments, but yeah, go ahead and pick one. Well, let's just uh, we're going to start from the top of our little cheat sheet here, and we can look at the CCED, the Central City Economic Development, um, and and this what's really cool about this is this is taxpayer supported, right? There was a one eighth cent uh, um, sales tax passed uh, that provides about ten million dollars a year in funding, and. Um, what they do, uh, the, and, and this district has a uh, um, geographic border, um, and uh, <clears throat> what they do is they do all kinds of projects to improve, essentially, uh, inner city life. So uh, 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 schools and education facilities, um, uh, they do some uh, private residence rehab. You uh, might not have much to do with the CCED <coughs> since that's not your district. Yeah, I mean that's true. It's yeah. not your district, but yeah, but it's part of the city though, and it's part of the right. Picture, I mean, as like yeah, as and a council person, right? But I just didn't know. I have no idea what the uh, process for that is. 
Yeah, so it's to take some of these uh, in, in this particular district, which goes, I don't know. Um, um, it says from 9th, 9th Street, uh, the south. Yeah, to Gregory, Gregory, which is 71st-ish. Indiana Avenue and then west of Paseo. Indiana to Paseo. It's that block. And to be able to say, hey, here is part of our urban core that's been around for a long time that's aging, that needs infrastructure help. You should get a matching grant. (laughs) Et cetera, et cetera. I think actually they do. Oh, I know when you have something like this, you can get matching grants. I know know all about that. Yeah, so pretty cool thing. Uh, Next one is the uh, housing trust fund or the affordable housing trust fund. Wait, wait. You didn't give Wes a chance to chat about it. Oh, sorry. I've got nothing. Dad. Nothing okay. bad. Not, not on that on. one. All right. Well, uh, so affordable housing trust fund uh, is is and and boy, we should talk about the whole concept of affordable and the word that's being used now is obtainable housing because Jen and I just I, blather on and on yeah. about it all the time. Yeah, attainable. Um, but uh, this is a program that helps people get into housing when they can't afford it, and we know all kinds of people struggle to get in housing and housing is as we know home ownership is the largest singular wealth builder in america so i uh, want home ownership programs i i it always kind of gets under my skin a bit that we don't have anything that supports home ownership more than some of the other things so but uh, but i'm working on it who's we the realtors realtors okay yeah no i'm with you i mean obviously i have a personal passion for instilling and educating on home ownership but i would love to see the city partner with or the realtors educate and how we could package some type of grant together and if i could my brain doesn't work well enough to be all the pieces but maybe your attorney brain and some other brains let's do something where we have a five thousand dollar grant or basically you know you make application and we will match your down payment or we will make your down payment get you into this home within these parameters kind of like they have on the cced and then once you have done that and fix the house up i mean it's just it starts the process of helping someone develop that generational wealth and i think five thousand dollars is what sticks in my head but i just wish there was a way that the city could plug this in versus all of the rental programs that we have and and some of them are probably wonderful but some of them need a lot of help in my opinion how do we plug this in to make this program where people can start building their wealth instead of just paying a rental bill every month that's you know what my love would be yeah that makes a lot of sense to me yeah. Sounds good, but yeah, how do right. we? And that's some of what the Affordable the teams, Housing right? Trust Fund does: is helps people get into. It does housing. not have any component that does home ownership. Right. Okay, and then uh, the Kansas City Land Bank, which is uh, essentially um, not as buy a lot for a dollar. Well, but not, not it is actually like that. Yeah, but it's not only just selling properties that are tax delinquent, but at times it's taking uh, money that's been set aside to turn those properties into uh, economically appealing. Um, I believe uh, land. that the Veterans Community Project was affiliated with the land bank, how they bought that land and everything. So I'm pretty yeah. sure that that was. Um, but real helped put that together. But you know, we're unique in Kansas City, and you probably know this from your state legislature days that like St. Louis doesn't have a land bank, for example. And so it's really hard for them on some of those older properties because the title gets clouded and then it just gets dilapidated and everything else. So we're actually lucky that we have that tool. Um, it may not be perfect, and I, I hear that everyone. So if you're screaming at me yeah, right. in your car that our land bank is not wonderful. 
it still is a tool that has helped us clear up a lot of titles and done things like VCP, which is. Okay, we're going to talk about awesome. that. You know, I, I, I think when you get to a certain size in, in government, um, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. But oh, that I doesn't mean that's mean just it's life not, in general. Yeah, it's, it doesn't mean it's not worth doing. So, no, I, I agree. And let me add, when I was in the state legislature, I walked, I mean, literally every single residential street in southern Clay County when I was running for office. And I, I've still got them memorized. <laughs> and there is there are so many properties in Clay County in Kansas City that would be a good land bank fit. But the state statute, it only creates land bank for the Jackson County portion of Kansas City. Ah. So when I, when I was in the legislature, every year I filed a bill to expand that to include Clay County. And I heard a lot of the same pushback you did, and I and I get that it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but, but it's better than nothing. And we've got, but we've got some property in Southern Clay County that we could really, that would really benefit from us. Well, there's a land bank a land bill bank. in right now. Who, so. who filed it? Oh man, I don't know, but St. Louis is really pushing for it, and I don't know if I understood that Southern Clay County needed that. As yeah, and it, and you get mixed. Like I learned when I filed it, and. Uh-huh. And heard from from several people that thought maybe I, I wasn't right about that. But when I was in the legislature, we, we created one for Buchanan County, and I have not followed up to see whether or not that's been a success. It would be interesting to see how, how the, Sheila Sloan, who I think really highly of, was the one that carried that okay. legislation. And it would be worth seeing how they're doing up there now that it's been in place for a couple of years. Good, good to know. The the last one I want to mention is the uh, Kansas City Missouri Homestead Authority, um, and this is another. Um, program uh, designed to uh, obtain properties, uh, make them uh, obtain blighted properties, uh, make them viable economically, and then to sell them uh, at a discount, I believe, or at least frequently at a discount, uh, to people or um, um, commercial entities or whatever that are going to reinvest in the community. So essentially planting seeds. Yeah. Um, so just just great concepts. And I know some of the other big cities have here in our metro area have similar style programs. But I mean, these are um, uh, important programs when you're dealing with a city of size and a city with uh, aging housing and a city fighting, you know, um, affordability. Do you have any experience with that homestead authority? I have none. I have zero too. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to me. So now I'm gonna have something yeah, else to learn and, about. Yeah, I got some homework to do mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. So you said you had some comments at the beginning. So it was fire about, away. No, it was about the land bank. Okay. Just that I think there's an opportunity there and I know not everyone agrees with that. But. Yeah, I do think it's still a tool, especially when you've got all of those title issues that no one will insure and more than likely an investor is not going to buy that property and then go through the legal processes and the patience that it's going to take to get to where you need to go because it's probably quite frankly not going to be worth it by the time it goes so when you have the ability of the land bank to take the property sell it at a discounted price you can then get kind of that sweat equity if you will that somebody's willing to take the risk to deal with the issues to turn that into hopefully what is a productive piece of land or house or park or whatever business you know versus you know the investor's not going to buy it and go to court and hire the lawyer and everything else that it would take to clear up the title because there's ways to do it it just turns out that when you have to pay lovely people like yourself that are attorneys 350 an hour or whatever the (laughs) rate is pretty quick yeah all of a sudden it's like no 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 i'm out let me break that kind of down just a little bit simplify it for our listeners when you're buying off of a tax sale 
it is entirely possible, and in many cases probable, that the title will be clouded. Now, we can get into the nitpicky of this about local statutes and Missouri statutes and federal statutes, but the reality is, is, is that if you can't get signatures from the people who previously owned it, right, then you have to kind of go through some kind of legal dance for title company to ensure that, which is what everybody's going to want to require to be able to improve that property, e.g. build a house or put a building on it or improve a house, etc. And so there's a financial cost to making that happen, and that makes the uh, attractiveness of a tax sale kind of go way down. So the city could, in theory and has, stepped in, said, okay, we're buying the property, and then uh, we're going to go ahead and sell it at a loss, but that way we can entice somebody who will improve the property, improve the area, et cetera, to go ahead and buy it because they know they're still going to have to put in X number of dollars in legal fees, et cetera, to get that title clean, which is what you referred to. I was just trying to make it a little simpler for you know my simple brain. So. You got it. Uh, so, so these are great programs, um, and in Kansas City uh, also has a, a pretty strong desire at times to be in the on the forefront of uh, what appears to be progressive housing policy, and I commend them for that. I think that uh, I'm not sure I'm going to go that far, but okay. Well, I commend them for the idea. Right, well, and, and uh, let me say I don't agree with everything the city does, but like you said, twenty five percent of the people live here. You know, we we got to make good choices, but we need to be the leader in this region. And if if somebody's going to try something, I like the idea of sometimes Kansas City being the person or the city willing to try it first. Now they, they pick. I voted no on some things that we've done, so I'm not saying I always agree with the choices that we make. Right, but the concept generally that Kansas City should lead the region, I, I do very much believe in that. And we are leading the region in so many ways: economic development, Casey uh, Current, uh, brand new airport, uh, largest Ace Hardware coming to Kansas yeah. City. I mean, we got this huge thing, you know, and, and Panasonic, Facebook, uh, Google, Meta, Facebook. That's what yeah. some of the is Panasonic's so, not in Kansas Panasonic's City. Panasonic's not, but however, again, we talk about the region, right? So yeah. these things bring good, uh, good juju for the whole city, right? Oh, no doubt about it. Yep. So I do I do want to, at some point, I want to get into some of the great things about Kansas City because it, it, it is a great city. And uh, uh, But I also, because this is a real estate podcast, uh, kind of want to talk about a couple of things that Kansas City's done recently um, that, that, at least from the realtor community, we have a little bit of pushback from. And, uh, a lot. Uh, uh, right, well, I'm trying to be gracious here. It's I know, but it's past at this point, so we'll we'll – you know, call a spade a spade. So the first one I want to talk about is um, uh, the uh, adoption of the 2021 IIEC, IECC. Um, um, international Building Codes. The International Building Codes, the um, uh, energy portion of that. So let me frame this out for our listeners. Um, the um, We're going to run out of time before we talk about all this stuff, just to let you know. Yeah. Well, so anyway. I started that late. So, so <laughs> building codes are um, uh, created by uh, outside organizations. In this case, the IECC. There's also the electrician, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All kinds. And, and they are uh, updated on a pretty regular basis. Uh, cities, municipalities, states in some cases, they adopt those codes based on, okay, I'm going to adopt you know, the, the, the next standard that we're ready to adopt. It may be several years old. 
So, uh, you know, I think that before Kansas City moved to the 2021, I think they were on 2015 or 2016. 2012, I think. Was it that far yeah. back? Okay. Yes, and we talked they don't about do them every year though. I think it was 2012, then it was 28. Like the the code doesn't get written every year. It's right. a lot. So it was 2012. I wonder then how many pages it is. 2021, I think. I don't know, but it's long. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Because uh, I mean, a I was delving three into this. to four yeah. page. It's big. This That's happened, why it doesn't get done every year. This happened a year, a year and a half ago, I think, approximately. Yep. It was right before we got on the council, so I think it was last spring. Last spring. Mm-hmm. And um, and and everybody is – so you should be, like, right now going, well, so they adopted a new code, which has new safety standards, new yeah, energy so what? standards. what? does that mean to me? Sounds, sounds great. Why would anybody have pushback? Um, and, and the challenge is, is that some of the new standards require – Building practices that, in bottom line, cost more money, exorbitantly expensive. And if, and if the timing's not great with interest rates being where they are either, and building costs and supply yeah. chain, and I can right. talk a lot about those issues. Right, all of this was coming along when we had supply chain issues, et cetera, and. All we can talk about consistently over my four and a half years in real estate is our attainability or affordability crisis in housing. And yet Kansas City, who wants to be at the forefront of something, is now adopting a new code that – and you can take all the numbers with a grain of salt, but right, I have the HBA of Greater Kansas City sheet on this from back then. And they were estimating that for the average new home construction that there was going to be a $31,000 hit directly to the consumer per home. In my understanding, is that's still pretty close to what the rest of it is, twenty-five to thirty-five thousand. Agree. Yeah. So, and I saw this the other day. I'm not. Uh, I can't remember the source. These building codes are only going to save your consumer forty dollars per month. So, they are going to have to spend, which they won't be able to afford. This is the problem. I, this is what I say about some of the green stuff. Well, is they, it, they, it doesn't matter if you can't house people. Yeah. So if you can't afford to house the people, it was kind of a silly idea. They, they even have in here, right, with these code changes, the simple average payback for somebody would be 48 years right, to get this money back in terms of the energy savings. Um, so we look at this, and this is the reason why the realtor community was was trying to get Kansas City to say, let's, you know. Pump the brakes, pump the brakes, please, yeah, please, please, Let's please. not do this now, or let's look at dissecting this and only doing parts of it, or whatever we could do. Yet it still got passed in, in you know. Um, so g- give me your overall take on, on this kind of, we need to be in the forefront, you know, damn the costs. So, so I will start. And let me start by saying I, I do believe climate change is real. It's something we've got to address as a at the local level, all the way to the state level, to the feds, to the United Nations. I, I just want to start by saying that. I agree. But we've also got the reality of living and, and working and building in Kansas City. And when people are looking to build houses in this region, they can either go. To, and we're the only city in this region that that passed this energy code. So you can either build in Kansas City for thirty thousand dollars more. Or you can go to any other municipality on either side of the state line and build for $30,000 less. That's just the natural economic incentive to go build in a different city. And, and that's what we're seeing. Uh, and Our housing th- permits have dropped to, to a 40-year low, to I almost believe. nothing. And now there's, there's a school of thought that I, I'm skeptical of but that I hope is right where people will say the reason there's so few permits now is because everybody rushed to get them in before the code went into effect in October. I don't, I don't buy that, but but, right. I, but, I, but I hope that's true. That yeah, would be I great know. if it was. Uh, I but, see but, a lot of stuff sitting. Straw, but, but my, straw man but, argument, but right, go ahead. Right, right. And that's, I heard that earlier this morning from somebody I like and trust. Right? I want at least 
Give it a, give it a thought. It right. Hope, I, hope I, is a good thing. Yeah. But, but, but I don't buy that. I think you know, the more expensive we make things, the more rules we put in place when our neighbors are making it less expensive and have fewer rules. It's just the natural choice where people are going to build in those places instead. And Kansas Cityans end up suffering because it costs more to live here or to build here than it does in, in our neighboring cities. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing. And then you add, you know, I know we're going to talk about source of income, but you add that to it. Uh, you had some of the other things that I frankly support, like prevailing wage, and there's just there's just a lot of things that, that add up when you're looking to do a project in Kansas City, and the ultimate conclusion is fewer houses and supply and demand is pretty basic. We've got less supply. The cost is going to go up. What yeah. what is there a um, uh, well, so you weren't on the council when this was passed, so uh, but but do you see a prevailing large picture, large term concern about this in terms of how the council operates, or does the council mimic what unfortunately we see in some other political arenas larger than Kansas City, where everybody's worried about making their constituents happy so they can get reelected? So, I don't think in. You know, we, unfortunately, we've got a 12% turnout, so most constituents aren't paying attention, which which pains me. I wish that was less Maybe true Maybe we can is. change a little bit out here today. Yeah. So, yeah, right. so I, you know, I, and I hope so. But, so, and, and the constituents that are voting, I don't think the building code is, is number one on most of the list because <laughs> it's just, it's a pretty specific issue. But, yeah, it's, when we first got elected, it was brand new, hadn't even gotten into effect yet, so nobody on the council was talking about it. Now that it's been in effect for a couple of months and we're not seeing permits— People on both sides, like for me, if I could go back to the old code and do the same as our neighbors, I would do that tomorrow. There's a handful of us that would. The majority of the council would like to see it play out further to see if it if it resets itself on its own. Um, but th- that conversation has started. So regardless of your position on it, council people are discussing this now because of what's happened since it went into effect. So, that's a very good step. Yeah, that's that's the first step, right? And then hopefully, you know, hopefully it'll just fix itself. But and I'm of the belief that it won't. So if, if we continue to not build, hopefully we're going to be willing to go back and, and do something different. So how would one, for our listeners, fix something like this now that the code is already passed and the ordinance is already passed? What would it take to say, go back to, and I'm not even proposing we go back as far as, because I think some of our surrounding neighbors are at 2018. And I think yeah. that's what we asked for as a real estate community yeah. is we understand climate change is real. We want to be good to the environment and we want to try and be efficient with our housing as best that we can at a reasonable cost. Right. And I think we asked for the code to be pushed to the 2018 code, not the 2021 code. And, you know, what happened happened and passed. So, well, well where, I, where I think the happy medium would be is to go back to the 2018 code and tell a certain percentage of our neighbors on both sides of the state line agree to come to this 2021 code that we're at. So we'll say we're, we're going to do it as soon as, you know, 50% of our neighbors are you right. know, looking at the sheet, the, the larger neighbors decide to do it. Right. So then we're all in the same playing field. Uh, to me, that's probably the best compromise. Uh, but we're still, I mean, we're a little ways off from that. I think people are going to want to wait a little bit longer. So does somebody have to propose an amendment to this ordinance or what is the proper procedure? I mean, you could, yeah, you could propose, well, it wouldn't, it's already done now, so it wouldn't be an amendment. It would be a new oh, ordinance right, right, to right. go t- to change what we've got. Um, I think, so I think one of two things is, is going to, if anything happens, it would be what I'm saying, go back and just say, let's wait until everybody else does it. Or I think even more realistically than that, if if some developers were to come to the council and say, hey, we understand this in the new code, but if you were to change A, B, and C, that would make our lives a lot more manageable. And then I think we'd have a better chance of going and finding seven or eight votes to support a few tweaks to see if that makes a difference. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so basically like frame wall 
yeah. is a particular expense in this code. Uh, yeah, just some of that. $18,000. If we eliminate $18,000 of that and change that, we're having a different discussion. That's, that's an entirely different discussion. Yeah. Right. So, and, and, I've, and I've told several people in the development community who are concerned about the cost, you know, you give me some specific ideas that I'm happy to, to go talk to other council people to see what the appetite is to make some changes. Very good, very good. Thank you for breaking that down. All right, let let's shift. We don't talk about the the rental market very much on this, right? We're you know we're we're this podcast is for people who are buying and selling homes, but I do kind of on 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 the train of kind of uh, uh, slapping Kansas City around, saying, "What are you doing?" Uh, I, I want to. <laughs> well, when we we're done, I want to talk about some of the great things in Kansas City because, like I said, I, I I've lived here primarily in my entire life, and I do love the city. Well, I always like ten conversations with that too because we are doing some neat things, and there's a lot to be excited about. So we can we can work on the things we need to make better at the same time appreciating the good things. Too. Yeah, I agree. Let Let's talk about this uh, city ordinance. The city ordinance that was just passed. Twenty three ten nineteen. The only ordinance that I've ever memorized. <laughs> the, the the yeah income discrimination now. Uh, ordinance. Now, let me give everybody a frame of what income discrimination is and why, as a general rule, I don't even think this is a bad idea conceptually. Uh, and then I'll try to keep us, you know, from not spending an hour and a half on this because I know we- the three We got about of, five minutes The to three of us it. could, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the concept is simply this, that um, uh, some people get government assistance uh, for their rent and the idea is, is that right now in the city of Kansas City, actually all over the metro, um, a landlord can say, if you're getting this government assistance, then I won't rent to you. You um, are not required to do business with the government or accept Section 8 is essentially what... Right. Well, let's not let's not go there yet. Let's just say so. The idea is, is that you can't discriminate based on uh, verifiable income. And so, you know, this would be the same kind of thing as is allowing your child support to be taken into consideration as part of your income or uh, any other um, non-traditional income that you're getting. I mean, I suspect this is an issue for people who work on a gig economy and have a hard time proving how much they make, et cetera, et cetera. So as long as it's verifiable income, the city doesn't want you to say as a landlord we don't accept that as an acceptable income. That's the concept of having a income dis- discrimination ordinance, which is to ban that. And there are pros and cons to that. Um, I get it. I'm I'm kind of socially liberal. I think that that you know figuring that out makes sense. I think good people are good people. So you know if you have a Section Eight voucher and things align holistically, and I agree wholeheartedly with the premise that. Everyone should have been considering people holistically regardless. And so that's a practice that I've always had in my business anyways. So part of what this does in a way is is good. But to me, the source of income is is a very minimal part of what was a 22-page ordinance. Yeah. So now let's talk about the ordinance. Yeah, I agree. Let's, let's not talk about the concept, which, you know, I, I think is a We're general rule. We're generally all in favor of. Yeah. Um, oh, no doubt about it. And in, in, uh, Councilman Willett brought forth the... Uh, an attempt to tweak this to be an inc- uh, incentive to accept vouchers. Incentivize, don't penalize. And I love that idea for a lot of the reasons you stated. I, I supported that. I still support a voucher. Right, yeah. Program. I mean, there's no question this is a stick, not a carrot. Uh, but I think the stick got too big, um, as in, in my it's opinion. Bat. Yeah, it's a bat. It's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a, uh, it's a knocking ha- you out. It's a halberd. I don't know. It's some <laughs> some medieval thing that I don't know how to say properly. Um, so. Oh. 
the, the, uh, and there's a lot on here, but I'm just going to get to the meat and potatoes of it, which is essentially that uh, a landlord, uh, a potential landlord, uh, um, uh, has to, um, um, <clears throat> if a person has adverse credit, bad credit, prior evictions, prior damages to properties that they rented, prior convictions or arrests, which is something that you take into consideration, a landlord cannot deny them the ability to rent their property unless they, quote, review and consider additional information provided by the applicant, okay? And then they can go off and do their own research, and then let me bullet these items that you have to uh, take into consideration now. This is reading direct from the ordinance, just yeah. for our listeners. Recency of evictions. So, um, and they well, you can't look past twelve months. Well, no, you can. You just there's no guidelines at twelve months. If somebody's been evicted in the last twelve months, you can tell them no. Um, if it's been more than twelve months, and you tell them no, well, we'll talk about one of the huge problems with this, which is the ambiguity. Uh, you also have to take into consideration actions taken by the rental applicant to resolve past evictions, credit issues, and damages which you're going to get from what? The potential renter. And sometimes they fib, right? Um, uh, recency, no. and, recency and severity of any There's... convictions. So you have to say, well, okay, how long ago was it you're convicted and how severe was it? By the way, and in a states, including the violent and sexual nature of these convictions. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. Don't we have juries for this stuff I, mm. I i'm a property manager not a jury right. um facts or circumstances of the criminal conduct like i'm gonna get that like somebody's gonna uh, or, you know i mean i guess you can get some of it off of court records i don't know age of the applicant at the time of conduct i mean i think i know what they're going for like if you do something dumb when you're 14 and you're 30 now maybe you shouldn't be penalized for it but again no real guidelines here there's supposed to be guidelines that come out though to be hey, here's, fair here's the other one age or vulnerability of the victim of the, and i'm like well hang on now i've got to determine you are a really bad person but since your victim could take it that's okay and I'm reading this stuff, and there is no guidelines, and I'm going, what are you expecting a landlord or a property manager to do here? I just want to tell everybody that Wes voted no. Yeah, and I was just getting ready to say that. So that passed 10 to 3. I was one of the no, three no votes. And, and again, I do appreciate the intent. The idea is to make it so people can find housing, and, and I always appreciate that. But what it also does, you know, most landlords are either small businesses or barely businesses at all, just mom and pops just right. looking for retirement income or some some extra income to pay for college or for whatever. And we passed a 22-page ordinance that just puts an enormous burden on on people who really aren't businesses at all a lot of times. And, and, and I'm just never going to be for that where you're putting – where you're kind of sticking it to the little guy and creating a ton of work for him that's way outside of the scope of what they signed up for and the things you're going through. That's a lot for somebody, especially somebody who's not a lawyer. Yeah, and 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 by the way, yeah. sh should the, the and and we can talk about uh, all of the stuff to make it super easy to complain, and mm -hmm. then the the thousand dollar fines. That's it, thousand. There's no slap on the wrist because you did something and you were sorry about it. That's a thousand dollar fine. You get more than two of them. Your entire business gets you know gets gets an a, audit basically an audit, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And and. Um, uh, you know, there's some narratives in when it comes to landlords and renters. And Listen, there was an incentive part of this, and there were some, I, I want to say, in case there's any council members or the mayor even might be listening, I do appreciate that 
several council people did listen to us and make some changes. And my analogy of this ordinance, and there will be disagreement about this, is it is went from catastrophically devastating <laughs> to the city from when it was written to seriously bad because i do still think that this will increase the cost of housing and i think there will be repercussions for this and i i know there's disagreement there but the bottom line is what you alluded to and this is gonna make the cost of housing skyrocket and that's not the intended goal when i was so thank you for what you said because there were some concessions made and and the people that are involved in that process deserve some some a lot of credit, credit actually, for, because for that's not been the that, way yeah. that the council operated yeah. the the prior uh, council people. So, um, you know, this is not a yes man council or yes woman council or yes person council. Yeah. This is a council that's going to put some thought into trying, as one of them put, polish a turd. But uh, <laughs> I, I won't name that person. Thank you. You know, he, if he's listening, he knows who he is. But um, there were some concessions made, and and I do appreciate that. I, there's something was going to pass. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm with you on that, but I'll also add, you know, th this is a, another regulation that's going to reduce the appetite to build new housing in Kansas city. So the housing stock will go down because we passed this ordinance. Yeah. I, and, it's, and it's basic supply and demand. When the supply goes down, the, you know, the rent's going to go up. That's just yeah. basic economics. Without a doubt. And, and, and I just kind of, you know, on the, on the face of it, there's a couple of narratives out there around landlords and renters that we just have to get out of our heads, right? There's the, there's the evil landlord that won't repair anything that makes me live in, um, uh, inappropriate conditions, et cetera, et cetera. They're wealthy. They're spending money on all these, you know, and there are some landlords like that. And we are not condemning anyone that's a slumlord. You know, our response times are, are so fast, and we try and provide a high level of service. And not everyone loves us. However, I know that when I hit the pillow at night, I do the best that I can yeah. in getting right back to people and taking care of their housing. And as soon as I know about an issue, I'm trying to make it right. Well, and I'll also, and I know there's mixed opinions here, but we've also got healthy homes. And if somebody needs something, they can call healthy yeah, homes. Yeah, I mean, there, there's... So we've already got something in place. Revenues for that. We and, did, and we had this thing called codes prior to yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. right. but by the way the other the flip side of that narrative is is renters are always uh not paying the rent they're tearing apart places they don't care they feel entitled etc etc so far from the truth and i always say 95 percent of the people are amazing yeah. and five percent of the people make so, it bad for the rest of so, the 95 percent well, and let me throw in there the issue with the vouchers for me is not the people it is at all that's not that's no. an afterthought for me it, it's the federal government and you have as a landlord especially a small landlord having to go through the process that was what really bothered me about it. And the yeah. length of time that it takes, and that's what ultimately increases the cost because the time that a property sits vacant or has to go through an inspection process or a reinspection process for that matter is money that is being taken away from being productive. And it's time where nobody's being housed in that mm -hmm. place either a lot of times. Correct. So I just, the, the, the federal piece of it was really the, the sticking point for it me. It was and, definitely a And cost. that's an important point. Yeah. So, I, so especially we, for, for mom and pops. I, yeah. I think what we're coming out of this is to, is at least my take on what Kansas City's doing in housing is, is that frequently they have the right intent. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned that sometimes when they're having these discussions, it doesn't seem like they're bringing all views and opinions to the table which then can make them maybe a little short-sighted, which may be what's going on with the uh, building codes. This is that, you know, they weren't necessarily allowing, you know, realtors, and I don't know how much the HBA was involved and other developers, uh, but I do know that um, people pushing for the ordinance were involved in large numbers. Same thing happened on this, uh, this um, 
the the renters thing here, the um, uh, the source of income, and uh, I'm I'm just concerned about that trend. Now that being said, and and I guess part of the reason why we're telling you this is number one, your great realtors are out there working with uh, people uh, that they agree with and that they don't agree with uh, at the city and state level, uh, and they've got your back. But also, I think as Wes pointed out, um, if you live in Kansas City proper, uh, get involved um, because the more calm, level-headed voices we have that are talking about things logically, thinking critically, et cetera, the better off our city is going to be. Absolutely. That's just 100%. all there is to it. And, and when that happens, you're going to get people with lots of different ideas that agree on some stuff and don't agree on other things in the same room talking things out. You're going to come up with solutions that, that are going to work for a broader number of people when that happens. Yeah, and by the way, and I'll just toss this out there, if your mind can't be changed, you're not doing it right. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%, yeah. you have yeah. to be able to, to imagine the possibility that you're wrong. Yeah, and, and I just had another issue today where – we had a situation where we should have had more people at the table from different parts of the city at the table, and we didn't. And it was a good concept, but I ended up voting no because I didn't think the the process worked like it should. And that's a bummer because we're trying to do great things. We're trying to make housing affordable. We're trying to make Kansas City a better place to live. And we really need to make sure all the stakeholders from all ranges of opinions are there at the table when we're making those decisions. So, so we talked about some programs that I think Kansas City uh, has out there that are doing great things with the nature of the aging and economics of the housing situation here in Kansas City. We talked about a couple of things that we wish that you know that that we don't think necessarily were great or that maybe really need some improvement. But right, let's just get from your take uh, some of the great things going on in Kansas City and why it is a great place to live. Yeah. So, in in general, we hit on quite a few of these things. We've got. The, the women's soccer stadium is going to open next month. It, it's coming. It's gonna. I get to go next week to get a sneak peek. Nice, nice. Yeah, and it's beautiful. It's right on the river. It's you know we're gonna keep building up the riverfront to go along with the stadium. Yeah, the streetcar is gonna be going all the way down difference. to the plaza. Uh, yep. By by the way, the women's uh, soccer stadium worldwide news still in the worldwide news as the first professional stadium specifically for a women's team. And go it's Casey important. Current. Yeah, and season tickets are sold out. So wow. that says a lot about the people. I didn't know that. I, it I doesn't know surprise that me. But All right. so, and they've been sold out for a little while. So not only are we building the stadium, there's demand for the stadium because yeah. we live with a bunch of great people in this in this region. And we've got the streetcar. It's going to be going all the way down to the plaza soon. The plaza's got a potential new buyer that's going to do some neat things down there. Um, we're you know hopefully we'll keep building more single family up north. We've got a brand new airport. Uh, the Royals just spent a bunch of money on Bobby Witt. We've, we've, got, we've got a lot of things to be excited about. And, and I, I live here, and I think you guys do too, because of all the great things we've got to offer. We just need to stay on track. I saw an article this morning that the mayor is supporting uh, increasing pay for the police department, which has been needed for a while. Significant. Up to, I think, this, the proposed starting salary is 63000 I think. Thank yeah. Which would be a big, a big yeah, increase. I mean, and I expect, and you know, let me also say sincerely, I, we've got a nice council that works well together, and we don't always agree on things. That I bet that will be a unanimous vote getting the police sure paid up to sixty-three thousand. So that'll be man, that would gut punch cool. me if it wasn't. Yeah, I, I expect it, it really to be. would, especially I mean, you, with our murder rate being yeah. so high. We've got to make a change. Yeah, our our listeners know that both Jen and I are huge blue supporters. Yes, there can be bad cops, and they need to be rooted out. But as a general rule, law and order is good. 
And uh, uh, so you're not you don't have any freedom in this country without the police. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah, I've been in in politics for this is my third election. And never once have I wavered on that. I agree with you. Yeah. So we get get nothing without a strong. So good thing for for the mayor and the city council to say, hey, look, we see a deficit. We're having a problem retaining great Mm -hmm. officers. Let's 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 take our steps to try to fix that. So that's a great thing that's going on. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, uh, we have some things in the city that uh, are are just huge quality of life issues that I don't know that everybody's done. And I got a question for both of you because I do this like every three years and then I just amaze myself at how cool it is. When's the last time you were at the zoo? Mm, I've been a couple of times because Ash is... Yeah, Not that my daughter's twelve. Yeah, you got little yeah, kids. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So we've been we got the new aquarium. So I was just down there the yeah. other day. And it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, every zoo. time I go to the zoo after they did the rework with the whole, um, you know, you should uh, go to Jazzy, Eric. You might really appreciate oh, Jazzy. Oh I haven't been to. Yeah. yeah. We go every year. We love my my wife does not like leaving our kids very much, but she will leave for Jazzy because it's so much fun and, and for for a great cause too. And we have uh, every time I have a somebody in from out of town that's never been to Kansas City, they are just amazed at the green spaces. And the boulevards and the, mm-hmm. and the parkways, um, and uh, I, I've got relatives in Europe, and they come over and they're amazed by it. They're like, "There's so much green in this city; it's incredible." Uh, I, you know, I just think Kansas City's done a great job mm-hmm. on so many things. So, uh, a, a great place to live, and um, you know, representative of our entire metropolitan area. Uh, and uh, it's pretty easy when cities have to deal with the challenges that they're dealing with to sort of bash them, right? And then, uh, and and Lord knows I, I get on that bandwagon sometimes. But but I think um, that if, if we continue to remain um, focused, critical where we need to be, I think it helps make our city and our region better. So oh, no doubt about it. I agree with you. All right, everybody. All right, Wes. Wes has got to get to court. Yeah, I, I could stay forever though. This I know, is really and fun. This and is really good. It, uh, I've got so a question thankful. for you yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. A couple of final questions. One is, um, if if somebody wants to reach out to you uh, as a city councilman, uh, how how do they do that? So you can email me at west.rogers at kcmo.org, but also my cell is eight one six five six zero zero five nine three. Call, text. I will answer the call even if I don't know who the number is and. If you want to call and tell me I did a good job or a bad job, I don't care. I'll answer the phone. So and what, I'm and, easy to get a hold of. And what? And not that I think yeah. you would probably take anybody's call, but what specifically, what district do you represent? So I'm in the second district, which is the southern Northland, basically everything south of Berry Road and Platte and Clay Counties, north of Vivian, uh, east of Worlds of Fun. Okay, excellent. Uh, we have a, a question we ask uh, some version of for absolutely every guest. Uh, it's our end of episode question, so we're kind of getting down to the end of the episode. And uh, if you need like four stories, you can have them. But uh, it occurred to me that uh, through your time in the legislature, which has been longer than the city council, but possibly in the city council as well, you don't have to name names. It doesn't have to be. Please a, don't name names. It probably. doesn't doesn't have to be necessarily somebody in the political arena. It could be some. But what is some of the like? What is the craziest thing you've heard around housing? Maybe proposed or discussed or brought up by a citizen, right? Uh, so I thought about this the other day. And this isn't directly related to housing, but it's a worthwhile enough story to share. Well, so we're Can- in. Kansas City does not have a uh, a jail right now. We're working through the process to figure out what we need to do about that. But very early on, one of the proposals to us, which I do not support, was jail boats in the Missouri River. Jail, jail boats. <laughs> jail boats. 
<laughs> and apparently they exist in some parts of the world where they've got Do they really? We should jailboats everybody Google it. Jails. And uh, that, that's not housing, but it's it's the closest outrageous story that I can think of. Jailboats. Jail I'm just right now. I just admit I got to wrap my head around <laughs> right. this. So what do you do with the uh, person who needs to be locked up that gets motion sick? Yeah, no, there's a lot of questions I've got about that, too. I think, that sorry was... about your luck, sucker, don't commit a crime. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean... Yeah, well, nobody's ever accused Jen of being soft on crime. Nope. Uh, wow, jailboats. <laughs> uh, that's pretty I, crazy. The, per- the person who told me was sincere, and that's one thing in politics. You, I mean, I'm all for any idea you've got. There's there's no bad ideas, but I was not expecting that. So that, that's I had to remain stoic while I was... <laughs> The pictures of the jail. That's fantastic. That's where you have to go. Hmm. Very interesting <laughs> idea. I think we'll have to take that under consideration. Right. Oh my Excuse goodness! Me, get me out of here. Bathroom. Yeah. So I can bust all that. That'll be like okay. So you'll appreciate this too. I was in uh, Las Vegas. It's prior to the Super Bowl week, and I asked a particular concierge about getting some Super Bowl tickets under a particular price. And the gal that was across the way had to like. She was like, and just had and to start then laughing. She just started busting out laughing, and she laughed me right out of the concierge. <laughs> I left. Hey, you got a dream. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, you don't know if you don't ask. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like jailboats, maybe we can get them. <laughs> don't well, know. All right, Wes, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, long time of coming. We're very excited that, that you chose to do this. I think I, I've been uh, trying to ask you since uh, since you were in the, I met you in the legislature. You're just a, a level-headed guy that, uh, you know, we need more people like you in politics. doesn't matter whether you're, you're red or you're blue. You think intelligently and logically, and, and you approach the issues in a way that we really appreciate. So, Well, I appreciate that a lot, and I've been looking forward to it, so I'm glad we finally got it done. Absolutely. All right, everybody, that's it. Another great episode of Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.